Hi, this is Elliot Fishman, and welcome to part three of our uh, 3D inf imaging to infinity and beyond. And let me tell you some of the interesting things that we've been honored to participate in because of the 3D work. When they discovered the first mummy in Peru that was frozen on the top of the mar mountain in Peru, Johann Reinhardt uh, brought it, it was, and um, Carrier Corporation built a transport for it, and they wanted to bring it to the National Geographic in Washington, D.C. to Explorers Hall. But first they came to Hopkins where we scanned it. Uh, they thought it was a sacrifice, which it was. And you can see it was a young girl, and you can see how the 3D images show compared to the patients uh, as we scanned it. You also can see on these images the head is cut off on top because we couldn't bend it enough to fit it in the scanner. But then we rescanned the head separately. And you could see we noticed that the patient had a skull fracture and there was the brain and the patient's brain was displaced over to the left, which means the patient must have been hit on the head, in my opinion, with a, a stick or something and then the patient bled and that's why the patient didn't move. It was interesting, the people um, from Peru were wonderful and their initial impression was perhaps the patient just stood there uh, as part of the sacrifice, but we know that's not easy, and particularly look at her position. So probably we thought either she was drugged, which was their initial thing, but you can see here was a clunk on the head, beautiful fracture, showing CT discovering things hundreds of years later without doing any harm to the original specimen. And there's some of the images we created, and there's the fracture. So that was really good. I remember being at the National Geographic. One funny story is that uh, they asked me how tall the girl was, and you know, she was bent over and I was trying to calculate the number of slices we had and then expand it. I just totally blocked changing the slices to inches and I was stuttering for a second and someone, one of the reporters said five foot tall. I said absolutely five foot tall. I'm not sure how tall she is, but five foot seemed pretty good. And here's just some more of our images. And you could see when they asked me to describe it, this was in the New York Times, they said um, that I found that no obvious signs of malnutrition, the patient was in good health. And I said she had the best set of teeth that I've seen in some time, which was true, but uh, probably I was being somewhat humorous. You learn never to be humorous in the press because then there's an article about this whole thing in Time Magazine, and there I am giving my best dental quote. Now, one of the other things we do at Hopkins is we work with the aquarium, helping solve difficult problems. This was a turtle we'd done recently for pneumonia. They bring it over, we scan it very quickly. Under Obamacare, all turtles and animals get equal care, just like patients. But this is after hours, on our own time. And look how nicely you can see the lungs. Amazing trachea. We can, we've scanned other patients who have had debridement of infection in the turtles. These are turtles that are often turned in, that are discovered uh, in nature where they're doing poorly. This patient actually was limping, wasn't walking correctly. And when you look carefully at the 3D images, you can see the patient's left hip has osteomyelitis. And look at the detail. Again, very fast scans, just one or two seconds. And 3D rendering works very nicely. And turtles survive a long time. And you can see why. This is with cinematic rendering. But look at that infrastructure holding the shell together. Them one tough turtles, okay? Very, very nice. Look at the 3D rendering. Now, when we scan the... Uh, animals from the aquarium, it's not just to say, oh, let's scan some animals. It's usually a problem. Here was an animal that was doing poorly, a spiny-tailed monitor. And they were curious about, uh, was the patient becoming obese? Why was it swelling? Was it ascites or was it just simply fatty liver? LFTs were elevated. 
Here's the spine, some of the shell. There's a little tag in there, a little marker. And then you look at the abdomen, fatty infiltration of the liver and the abdomen. Patient was put on a diet. The patient is doing very well today. And you can see in this water dragon, look at the detail. And we could even put this into 3D and we can rotate it around. It's amazing the detail you get. And so everybody gets scanned and we can get lots of information from them. Now, let's go back to um, some of my initial slides. And I spoke about the role of 3D imaging and I mentioned medical error. And we know when we've spoken about medical error what a problem it is. This is the Institute of Medicine talking about the high error rate that a person will experience at least one diagnostic error in their lifetime, sometimes with devastating consequences. That's not good. They also talk about radiology, the problems we have, finding information. And they give us many reasons why things don't work well, but we're not perfect. And when you look at the numbers, Marty McCary from Hopkins made the point it's the third leading cause of death in the U.S. after heart disease and cancer. And we surely underestimate it because there's no mark on the death certificate that says medical error. And with cancer and heart disease coming down, medical error is going up. It would be a shame if we can cure a disease, but medical error is still driving us crazy. We need to figure out, and Marty makes the point, that human error is inevitable. How do we create steps of minimizing that error? How do we make errors less frequent by following principles that take human limitations into account? And that human error is inevitable. And we know in CT that the errors occur, but that the same errors often, though there's infinite errors, but missing things, failure to appreciate pancreatic masses, missing peas, missing vascular problems, bone lesions, on and on. And every patient, whatever their cause, can have incidental findings that are critical that are often overlooked. And people have written articles like this article by Kim that there's an error rate in the 30% range. And a little more than half the error is misreading a finding. And 42% is not even seeing the finding. And it's interesting, this article by Rosencrantz on addendums, no surprise, made the point that most addendums that radiologists put together were for a new finding, which means somebody missed it initially and someone then found it. Otherwise, there's very little, more than 80% are these misses. So it's very important. We're missing things. Then also, the other thing is we're getting busier and busier. We need to kind of crank out the images, it seems. We're kind of like on an I Love Lucy episode, perhaps. But this article by Soko Kava, sorry if I pronounced the name wrong, talked about speed versus error and found that when you started looking at people's error rates, the faster they read, the number of errors increased. We're not going to be reading slower. We're not going to do double reading. What needs to happen? Well, perhaps we need to really use the computer. And yes, we've spoken about computers for years, but perhaps we are getting closer. Uh, this article, well worth reading in radiographics, about machine learning, about deep learning from Ericsson, talking about where things might be going. And at Hopkins, we're doing this work also. We have a Felix project. And I'll show you this slide. If you look at the slide at the bottom right, you see an obvious pancreatic mass. And the bottom left, you kind of see a mass. And you should see it, but you might not. But on the image on the upper right, the mass is there, but it's just too subtle. Okay, so there is a point where everyone sees things, but it may be a point that's too late. And so with pancreas, 
it seems to us that at least 20 or 30% of cases are missed initially when they could be potentially resected for cure. And we need to fix that. And that's what the Felix Project is. It's from Lust Garden Foundation that deals with pancreatic cancer. And we're trying to teach the computer to recognize pancreatic pathology and make the call. It is a painful project. It's painful and wonderful at the same time. We're segmenting at about three hours a case every bit of information in the abdomen, and here's a 3D map of that. We're then teaching the computer not only the pancreas but all the other organs. We're looking at the ways of understanding things and detecting, which we can do at better than 90%, and we're looking at once we detect it, can we texture map it? Can we look at the information? What is it that we can do? Can we separate the various lesions based on information? And it's early in the game, but I got a feeling it can happen. Now, we're not worried about replacing radiologists. If the machines are so good and they're better than us, they should, we should be replaced. I think it'll help us read more, do more, and be more accurate. There's articles, there's one by Coley, just came out a month ago. Pattern recognition for complex high dimensionality images are generally trained on large data sets, but these data sets are rare. They're expensive, and that's why we're doing it. We're going to make it work. We're going to make this happen. Now, you can see some people are really running ahead. A Topol is a cardiologist, talks about how radiologists are about to be out of business. Radiologists are being replaced, and pathologists, Ralph Rubin and his team. My computers may seem exaggerated, but these, these radiologists and pathologists better be thinking about the changes. A radiologist typically views 4,000 images, multiple parts, a pan scan. The abundance of data has changed how radiologists interpret images, from pattern recognition with clinical context to searching for needles and haystacks, from inference to detection. The radiologist wants a maestro, the chest radiograph is now often visually fatigued searching for an occult fracture in a pan scan. Now, that I've heard us described in better terms in my day, but it does make the point if you're looking at 4,000 slices 50 times a day, it is getting difficult. We can use some help. And I think the help is a way of improving us, and I think deep learning is going to make it happen. There are many companies involved, NVIDIA, Google, Facebook, Amazon, Apple, the typical companies of Siemens, GE, you name them, and institutions like Hopkins and Mass General and Stanford, uh, everybody everywhere is looking at this. So I think it really has a great chance. And really, it's all part of 3D. I think the way we're going to detect things is thinking about 3D models and visualization and texture and everything else. That's going to make the change. We're going to change how well we can do. We're going to improve our capabilities not simply looking at just cutting costs, we're looking at improving quality at the same time we cut costs. So to me, 3D imaging is evolving and will continue to evolve. It's been exciting, but it's getting more exciting because technology is letting it happen. The hardware, the software, the understanding are all things that we need to exploit. Things like cinematic rendering or improved volume rendering all become very critical and 3D imaging may be the basis for deep learning algorithms. It's our opinion that you need to be in the volume to get the information, and the computer better be in the volume or it's not going to do well. Now, it's interesting, and I use this as my last slide in the talk, that it's very hard to plan things. Uh, we planned on doing 3D, but we planned on dealing with a company called Computer Vision, 
which then had financial issues and we didn't deal with them we dealt with Pixar and it has been like my second slide said a long strange trip and as Steve Jobs said you can't connect the dots looking forward only backward you need to trust something for your future be it your gut destiny life karma whatever and the approach has never let me down it's made all the difference in my life and it's true for us as well we are constantly looking at what we can do better you can plan it a little bit but we are working with so many smart people so much is changing just read the newspapers every day everything is changing and it's stressful at times but it's very exciting and hopefully I've been able to share with you 3D why it's important why it may not have taken off to the level we thought it would but I think it's gonna get a second life and it's gonna be better than ever so with that I'll stop there and I'll see you next time bye bye